looking out for number one. California, here we come, right back where we started from. Hustlers, grab your guns, your shadow is a ton, driving down the 101. California, here we come, right back where we started from. California. Welcome to the OC, the show where we take an in-depth episode by episode an underrated primetime soap opera that the OC. I am your host for the evening. Mike Gravano, and with me, as oh, you guys are never going to believe this, I couldn't, everybody said he was too busy, there's no way he's going to do your show, but we got him. It's Wait, Ryan. hold on, hold on. Oh, I, that's it's me? You're talking about me? It's you. Oh, fuck, I thought we had like a special guest or something. Somebody like famous wanted to be on here. John Hodgman and or Tim Ferriss? It's weird because I believe that I am the exact middle famous of all planet, or all people on the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody ahead of me is, like, I'm right in the middle, so... How like how would you really get somebody famous enough to be on this show when not the You're vast majority, but like almost everyone is below me. That's true. I don't know. Aisha Tyler, she's more famous. She's she's a little bit more famous. A little bit. But like, you, if you're gonna name somebody who's more, then you gotta name somebody who's less. Because again, it's the exact equal amount of people are more okay. and less famous than me. So if Aisha Tyler is more famous than you, I'm gonna go with. Your mom, Linda? Don't say your mom like that. Um, where are you on this? More. You are not more. And Taylor is less. Okay, I'll take that. <laughs> that, that, that balanced it out for you? Yes. Uh, you decided to not have a Twitter or a social media presence, so I'm inherently more famous than you. And isn't that crazy how famous I am without those things? Kids, you can all do it. You don't it's need crazy. social media. You're the, you're, you're, the, you're the guy. Who's the clumps? What's his name? Eddie Murphy? You're the goddamn Eddie Murphy of our generation. He doesn't have social media, probably. I was above Eddie Murphy for a little while, but Dolmite is my name came out, and he moved back past me. Are we sleeping on that? Should we be watching that movie? Is it as great as they say? I, I, don't, I haven't watched it. Um, why, don't we, though. why don't we take a break, and we'll just talk about that tonight. Okay. Nothing, too, that we have to talk about tonight. This is apropos of nothing, is that my name is Ryan. Yes, I said that. Mike, you are my brother. Yes. That means you're Trey. You you're now Trey, not just in name but in personality. Uh, for the and rest of looks. the run of, the, um, you think you look exactly like Tom Hardy minus? Yeah. You are Tom Hardy. You are many more minuses from that. Well, yeah. It's uh, if if Trey is a VHS copy of a copy of Tom Hardy, there's like 18 guys in between me and Trey. I, I guess you're closer to the guy who played Trey twice already. Ouch. You would not believe how far down my face my eyes are. Because that's, <laughs> it's crazy. I wish it was your like. eyes. I wish it was both of them and not just the one. <laughs> it makes up for it by being way far down there. <laughs> Even Sloth from Goonies is like, yikes. <laughs> oh, this guy needs to see somebody. Oh, you say Baby Ruth too? <laughs> Who doesn't? Who doesn't, Ryan? So yes, we are talking about the Brothers Grimm. Do you want to just jump into it? Absolutely. Uh, back in the day, uh, when Disney invented fairy tales, there was these two other boys who were like, what if fairy tales were badass? What yeah. if they were cool? And the I think Fox that- and the Hound. <laughs> Lady and the Tramp, just the remake. Um, and basically, the Brothers Grimm were like two guys who said there should be more like incest and murder in fairy mm-hmm. tales, right? They're the, the Pornhub of fairy tale writers. <laughs> Which is, it, I think that's impressive. They're moneymakers. Especially going, uh, like, as far as Pornhub works these days, those Brothers Grimm are probably doing more to each other than just writing stories, <laughs> if you know what I mean. And that shit, they are living up to their name. It is Grimm. 
they uh they do it with each other like Caleb and Kirsten do. I just want it like I gotta say it at some point every episode. If I just get it out of the way in the outro or the intro, then we're fine, right? Yeah, it doesn't rev you up at all and make it the only thing you can talk about from here on out. They didn't spend a lot of time together in this episode, so I'm glad I could get it out that way. When Ryan's brother Trey gets out of jail, the Coens give him a warm welcome, but Ryan knows nothing good can come from it. Zach returns from his trip to Italy, which is apparently six fucking months long, with some news. Meanwhile, after Julie admits her naked mistake to Kirsten, they both agree to get Caleb in to help, unaware that Caleb, as always, has a hidden agenda. All that and more on tonight's The OCD. Ryan, normally we start off in a normal syntaxical rhythm, but this is what I've decided to do tonight. And normally... Yes? We should warn the audience that you do have one of those uh, cartoon bandages wrapped all the way around your head. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is that part of why you talk this way like this now? Yeah, it's my jaw fighting through the gauze. Typically, that's because of a donkey kick straight to the temple. Mm -hmm. Is that that what happened here? Yeah. Donkey kicked straight to the temple. And I went, (laughs) no, donkey. We have to respect that religion. Stop it. And they took me away. Was he apologetic? Like, did he feel bad? I, he wandered off, and the cops beat me down. It's police brutality. Blue lives don't matter. Was it a typical donkey kick, like, face doesn't change, no emotion, and you're just behind it? Or was this, like, a full-on practice crane kick? Oh. He squared you up and knocked you out. Donkey took some judo lessons. It knocked me to fuck. Ryan, normally we start in the breakfast nook, and they're all gathering yes. eating breakfast, letting us know what the episode will be about. But this time... Sandy's grabbing some chicken parm? That's not a breakfast food. No, it's not, Mike. I think it might be dinner time. What? And if there's anybody that uh, could make a good breakfast chicken parm, it would be Sandy. Yeah. Um, But no, we're at dinner. Let's talk about dinner real quick, but don't worry, because there is an abrupt cut to breakfast right after this. So we'll get there. (laughs) They realize they fucked up. So yeah, Sandy's poking home the chicken parm. Kirsten's on the phone with Carter. Uh... Seth and Ryan are trying to grab food and run and everybody in separate directions. And Sandy's like, no. No, this is a family dinner. Nobody eats here tonight unless it's together. Which he, he says it in that dad way of, even I won't eat to punish all of you. <laughs> and then he folds his arms and he sticks his bottom lip out. Classic pout moves. Classic pout moves. You know what's weird about this dinner too? I don't know why, but just it was weird to see on TV is that you get to go or you get draw, uh, delivery on TV and it's almost always family style. Like, it's big things of stuff that everybody pulls from, or Chinese food cartons. Right. This is individual meals, and for some reason that looked weird, where they all just grab their own food. Well, he knows that even though they, it's all chicken parm, Sandy's is spicy chicken parm, Kirsten's is just, like, grilled chicken One breast. broccoli. Yes. But they still call it chicken parm so that she doesn't feel bad. Like, Ryan's is chicken parm wrapped in bacon. When that order comes... For our house, for our McMansion in Newport that we will have someday, I promise you, bro. Um, how much of mine are you typically going to want? Like, is your, are you like, uh, this is all, I ordered what I ordered, get mm-hmm. the fuck away. Or are you like, are you closer to like, I'm going to eat half of mine and half of yours? Not both of those are assholes. That's my, I want two thirds of mine and I want a third of yours. Okay, but a third's more than a bite. So yes. that's still, that's still a lot. It's it's a lot, but it's a half is crazy, man. Why don't you just fucking tax everything I am? I, I didn't vote for you. No taxation without representation. Who voted for this guy? 
And are you watching the fork? And I know you are. I know you. I know what you're like. Are you watching the fork in that, like, if... I, I think that you're the kind of person who makes a fork and sends it to the person. Yes. But if the person's coming over, reaching over to put their fork in, are you seeing that they're taking the biggest shrimp in the entire thing? They're basically uh, wiping up all the cheese that's in there. Like, they're making the best fork that money can buy. They are all jumbo prawns, but somehow you got the jumbo prawn who's the king of Muscle Beach. What the fuck is your problem? And while I'm very polite, I find the smallest little chicken mcgee on your plate i don't fucking go for the big meaty boy see basically what you need to know from my dinner is what it tastes like and that actually takes very little to know what it tastes like what you're trying to do is get 1.5 dinners yes and it's just order that nobody's gonna shame you to your face see you you said that this person is an asshole but i think that uh i am the person not that expects i would uh work it out ahead of time but i would like to um order a thing and you order a thing and then split them both in half Okay, I thought you were going to say that. I, I, I always pinged you for a real uh, don't-you-fucking-even-look-at-my-dinner kind of guy. <laughs> oh, no, you, can't, you cannot look at it while you eat it. And it, it's messy. It goes everywhere. But uh, I like to try as much on, in, on the menu as yeah. possible. I, that's, I love family style. I, I, want, I, I just like to put as many different kinds of food on my plate, mix it up, eat it all together. The more it looks like vomit, the better it is to me. And you're you're doing the mixing. Like you're not going to a blender, are you? No. I, I what? I bring a fucking Nutribullet to every fancy dinner I'm at. No, that's crazy. Wait, that they don't have that's the technology. The gro- that's the gross part. Not that you didn't bring a blender, but the fact that you're blending eight different Italian meals and eating. I guess it would be the same, right? Yeah. That's, that Gaffigan Mexican food joke. You chose the one, and I disagree with Mexican food. I think you chose the one uh, cuisine that it truly would taste the same. The reason it's different is because some Italian stuff, and I don't know why, I'm not trying to be racist, but has eggplant. And if you get that shit in my, even close to my dinner plate, I'm going to fucking kick you like you're you a donkey. Just, you just smell it. So uh, they're, they're eating all their blended, nutribulleted eggplant, and they're all very grumpy that it's a family dinner. And the phone rings. If you're hardcore about family dinner, Sandy, don't answer the phone at dinner. Mm-hmm. But he does, and his face looks very serious. And uh, it's for Ryan, and Seth instantly throws a hissy fit. Oh, Ryan gets to talk during dinner, but I can't go play PlayStation? You know those are different activities, Seth. You saw your father's brows. You know it's serious. Yeah, like, oh, Ryan gets to answer the phone, and what, I I can't go hang gliding? Like, what are you talking about, Seth? Get the fuck out of here. Is that an ad hominem? I don't know. (laughs) Whatever you want to add to your dinner, I don't care. Uh, The problem is that if Sandy doesn't get it, it goes to voicemail. And this is back in the day where there was uh, like a voicemail that would play out so all could hear. What were the which is message wonderful. machine? That can't be what it was. What the fuck answering was machine? Called? Answering machine. Yes. Robot secretary. <laughs> Little uh, fucking Paddington bear. And it could be, hey, uh, Kirsten, this is Carter. I'm thinking about your vagina. Hey, uh, Sandy, this is Rebecca. I'm thinking about you and my vagina. You don't want yeah, the answering machine to play out loud. Definitely gonna be about somebody's vagina you don't want to hear about. But or the, the human eggplant, as we call it. It was, it was Trey, and Ryan's like, that was Trey. And Kirsten goes, your brother? With a look of shock, Kiki, like the rest of us, forgot Trey existed. <laughs> she definitely thought he came from her own human eggplant. <laughs> Christ. Uh, or maybe she she just thought, like, a tray call. Like, a thing you put food on. Yeah, like the it. caterer with the jumbo shrimp? All right. Bad news is that some inanimate object gains sentience. Good news, it's just a food tray, so yeah. I guess it's I, we're not scared. I well, guess. It's going to kind of wibble wobble if it got accidentally put in the microwave too long. But it will not fall down. It will not fall down. 
so then we smash cut to the next morning. They all stopped talking right away because they were embarrassed for Kirsten to forget that Ryan had a brother. Ryan goes in and uh, just sits in his chair and thinks. And then <laughs> Seth comes in, and I think it's like two minutes later. But no, Ryan sat in that chair all night because Seth, Seth's like, do you want a bagel? This is not like, I don't think it's a dessert bagel. I think an entire night has passed. Well, it's, <laughs> oh, I love a good dessert bagel. But yeah, an entire ha- night has passed, and Ryan has sat up all night because he realizes he hasn't talked to Trey since last Thanksgiving, and it is 10 months later? Mm-hmm. That is a pretty bad brother. I know you didn't get along and he made you steal a car, but you don't. Your parents are both dead, probably. You're kind this of a is, piece of shit. This is a question that we're going to get to a lot, I think, in this episode, which is, um, is Ryan doing good for himself? Is he being... Is he being understandably selfish by wanting to continue the life that he's currently in and leaving Trey behind? Or um, if Ryan had a better attitude with a lot of this stuff, would things have been better? Yeah, I think because when Ryan got caught, he was 15. So Trey was 19. Mm -hmm. That's not I mean, 19 is still a kid. I know. I know legally it's not. But like, I do think this is the first time we're seeing Ryan be a pure teenager and really going out just for Ryan and not thinking about anybody else. But because it's Ryan and not Seth, it weighs on him the whole episode. Every he time sat he in a chair thinking about it for a night. <laughs> Every time he does something selfish, he bites his lip like, oh, is this what Seth feels like all the time? <laughs> but it, for Seth, it doesn't come with a uh, bonus of a thousand push-ups. No. Yeah, I mean, that's how you get ripped. Just feel that guilt. Uh, Seth actually is more, he's not trying to talk about his own problems this whole time yet. He's like, if you want my advice, I I got nothing. I'm here for whatever you need. The most yes. giving sentence Seth has ever said. Yeah, and even in Seth's storyline, he is uh, stupid asshole selfish Seth, but really like sort of the least that we've ever seen. And I don't want to like give him praise for being only a B-plus asshole instead of the A-plus he typically is, but he has – maybe it's just because he's in the background a lot in this episode, but he shows a little bit of growth here. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. So Ryan's like, I got to go. I'll handle this on my own. And Sandy's like, dude, I don't know how you don't know this already. If it's a Ryan problem, it's a Cohen problem. Of oh course, boy. I'm driving you to Chino. And then when Marissa finds out what's happening, she's like, I should go with them. And Summer calls her out. Now we're at school. She's like, you're you're sending too girlfriendy for literally everybody in this entire show. Nobody and wants that, this from you. And that conversation cuts. But before the editor cut it, Summer was like, and don't find like a hat and put it on Ryan's head and fuck don't, like that's please just don't, don't do please don't, don't do that. Just grab a random hat in this episode and put it on him. But if the editor left that in, it would have made no sense. So I'm glad that he cut it out. Yeah, why would they say that? There's no hats at all. Uh, and then Zach rolls up on a Vespa because how else do you let everybody know you've been in Italy for three and a half years? But now you Vespa and say buongiorno to everybody. And one of the reasons that me and Zach are the exact opposites is. Because I would love to have a Vespa, but I can't wear it. Or I can't do it because I don't want to wear a helmet. Mm-hmm. Um, but Zach has a Vespa and wears a helmet. But then also times where he's not on his Vespa is still just rocking that helmet. Well, you never know when you're going to fall. And you got to protect that moneymaker, the top of your head. I guess your hands are full and you're like, oh, what? I, some of this goes in my pocket. And, oh, I'll just keep my helmet on my head. I'll store it there. But fuck, dude, you look like a goddamn stormtrooper from Spaceballs <laughs> the entire show. Ryan, we do have to take a break. But when we come back, let's just dig into the Brothers Grimm themselves. Ryan, when Ryan shows up to the Chino jailhouse, and he hasn't seen Trey in months, and he'd only seen him once while he was in prison, 
Uh, Trey walks up looking not sure what to do. And Ryan goes for the handshake. And Trey goes for the big old hug. Does that let us know exactly how the rest of this episode is going to lay out? It does sort of, yeah. Because um, brother's got a hug, but little brother's got to really hug. Little brother's got to get in there. And so have they flipped roles? Oh, for sure. Um, one one thing that we've been talking about for like a season and a half is how Sandy and Ryan's plot lines are completely parallel. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we are in the pilot episode with <laughs> Ryan as Sandy. All of the same things Sandy does in the pilot, Ryan is doing here. The, the difference is uh, Ryan is Sandy with the Dasher Seth because Sandy, before they even get to the jailhouse, is like, he can stay here. And Ryan's like, no, <laughs> let's see what he wants to do. So he's take- Sandy with the Dasher Kirsten. Yes. I, yeah. And then he, they, they take Trey to a, a town worse than Chino. It's every, every window in this house is boarded up and every board is falling off by at least half a nail. Right. Some windows say, like, uh, there's just a note that said, we couldn't afford a board here. That's how poor they were. And then Ryan's like, let's go. We dropped him off. Let's go. We dropped him off. And Sandy's like, uh, we, this is just an abandoned lot. Yeah. Uh, and I don't, I don't know if you do that thing where when you drop somebody off, you have to wait to see them get inside. This was like mm-hmm. a very uh, chivalrous thing we were taught to do when we were children is, no, you don't leave until they are inside. They, are, uh, they have put their PJs on. And they are in bed, and they have brushed their teeth, and uh, you have read them a uh, bedtime story from the car, and now they're sleeping. They say, good night, John boy, and then you're allowed to leave. And I mean, at this point, based on how Ryan acts through this entire episode, would you put it past Ryan to be thinking here, he specifically made us drive to a, a house he knew to be abandoned just to be able to get back in the car? Because maybe that's exactly what Ryan did to Sandy in the pilot. This episode reforms Ryan's entire arc. He's always been a diabolical bastard. You have not said this like outright yet, but you are totally hinting so far that you are pro Trey, anti Ryan. You love Trey Atwood. Well, you told me you were Ryan and I was Trey, so yes, I'm pro Trey, anti Ryan. (laughs) So uh, what you have to do in the first fifteen minutes of this episode is just watch their faces. Uh, when Seth, I'm sorry, when Sandy and uh, Trey meet and shake hands, it cuts to Ryan for a minute, and he's not happy. Like he is watching these crisis on two Earths smashing together worlds. Yes, and then watch Trey come down the stairs from that abandoned house when Sandy says, "Hey, do you want to come over?" Or when Ryan says it, and the smirk that he has, like mm-hmm. the smirk that he has, the, like tension is building here without big violin music. Yeah, every time Trey is overly polite, like, so good to meet you, thank you what you've done for my brother, it's like, this feels, you're so sincere, it's false, and I know in my personal life I've been accused of being uncomfortable with sincerity, but there's something off about Trey's sincerity. Yes. So they get to the Cohen's house, and they're like, Ryan will be in the guest room, why hasn't he been in there the whole time? Trey, you can take the pool house, and Trey's like, what? And then, uh... Trey looks around. He's like, sorry, I'm kicking you out of your cabana mansion. And Ryan very quickly goes, it's only for a few days. Yes. <laughs> Whoa, Buster Brown. And Trey's dumb. and Well, not dumb. From prison. and uh, But this does not go past him. He is immediately like, uh, hey, bro. Yeah. Hey, little brother. I'm not here to rain on your parade. I'm not here to shit in your shampoo or whatever phrase he uses. Mm-hmm. Um, he understands that the Coens have been infinitely more warm to him than the Atwoods have so far since yes. his return. 
that is the Atwood way. From all the Atwoods we've seen, Rye's an anomaly, and maybe this episode is proving he's not. Right. If it's a Ryan problem, it's a Cohen problem. If it's a Trey problem, go fuck yourself, idiot. <laughs> it's a whoever else left me problem. Get the hell out of here. Uh, Sandy gives Trey money, and Trey looks stunned. Uh, helps Trey look for jobs, and Trey looks stunned. Sandy is just all about, like, this is adult Ryan. I'm going to do everything I can to get him. But he's Sandy's also smart. He's like, I'm going to help him and get him out of this house as quick as possible. Otherwise, Ryan might murder his brother. <laughs> yeah. I think that there's that starts to be like that. That is there at the beginning and becomes more clear as the episode goes on. Um, but like going back to Ryan and just watching Trey, like I wonder if he is he nervous that he's going to blow his shit up. Mm-hmm. Is, is Ryan really worried about his future at the Cohen house? Or is he worried about being embarrassed by his last name? Is it just an embarrassment thing? I think, yeah, it's the same thing when Ryan's mom came around. Ryan doesn't actually feel comfortable with the Coens and is always worried something will go so wrong with somebody he's related to that he also has to leave. Now, Ryan's been around or will be around for a lot longer than his mom was or Trey ever will. So he's embarrassed the Coens infinitely more times than these two have. He burned down Kirsten's house. Mm Mm-hmm. He's gotten in a fight at literally every party they've ever thrown. So he's got cash in his pocket now. And Ryan's like, I guess I will help you shop for clothes. And then he's like, please, somebody call Marissa. He just screams it to the heavens. Marissa will be at the mall. Uh, And she, when she shows up at the mall, she's like, hey, how are you? He forgot he met Marissa? Yes. They met when he was in prison. Where he doesn't meet a lot of people. You would think you would remember every fresh face that you see. Um, But I do, it is weird, but I do have to give it up for the fact that um, nobody made a, wow, Trey, your face really looks different since the last time I saw it. Like, you have changed a lot. Did you get beat into a different human being? Do they look that different? Yes. They definitely look more different than him and Tom Hardy, for sure. Um, but I think that what they wanted to do is have that uh, Trey look her up and down. Oh, my God, look at this perfect specimen. So there could be uh, not sparks, but drama between like sort of this weird, creepy love triangle between the three of them. I think this is the start of that. I say, OK, having not seen past this, I think uh, I didn't get that. I thought he was just like, oh, I've never <laughs> met you. Well, Give me that shirt, I'll try it on. You can't you can't make fun of him because he's a cartoon walrus. Like that's just how he talks. <laughs> that's who he is. So while Trey goes to try on the clothes, uh Marissa and Ryan just flirt about hats. They just throw all the hats in the air and flirt, flirt, flirt with hats. The yes. Uh she finds a hat and uh it it is a goofy hat, to be honest. Like it is something that should not be in that store. But she jumps on the opportunity to to have their always weird, always cringy flirting. We're like well, but what would you look like in the hat? And he was right, even though he was also awkward and flirty. Uh, it's the dumb hat she would wear. It's a foolish hat. It's that is stupid true. as hell. If somebody kept it on for more than three seconds, it could totally win the Orange Couture Award for this episode. Um, <laughs> but nobody did. The interesting thing, though, is just the fact that he called Marissa. And they're going to buy clothes, which makes sense. It is Cosmo Girl. But also... Is this like, I, I don't want to ask her out on a date, so this is a chance for me to hang out with her? Or is it, I'm nervous about adventures, and so I'm going to call my short round. I'm going to call the person who I get in adventures with. 
Yeah, I think it's that. he. I don't think he knows how to be around Trey alone. He, even though he wasn't around Trey and Seth together, he somehow, Spider-Sense knows the one person Trey's not being congenial to is Seth. Right. Seth walks in and he goes, Ryan said you talk a lot. And Seth's just like, But isn't there an argument for if you bring Seth, that will be a magnet for all of Trey's shit, and then it won't shoot out to <laughs> other places? I mean, that's weird <laughs> to use your friend like that, but still. It is weird to use your friend like that, which I've been saying for years, Ryan. So, uh, Trey was looking at this watch. He comes out, they all, they, they, they go shopping, everybody's flirting. And then this guy asks to look in Trey's bag and Trey's just not like, here, look, he flips out, uh, and starts just knocking every piece of merchandise on the ground. Now, this is a very real thing. This is, uh, this is in a, a real issue with children. And I know Trey's 19, but let's call him a child. Um, later on, Trey will something say something that like sort of explains this moment. Um, mm-hmm. Why would I try to be good if you're just going to assume that I'm always bad? And he says that to Ryan later. Mm-hmm. This guy at the, that works at the store is not Ryan, but still, he gets it all the time. And right. this is why uh, sort of like how people become bad, not bad, but like uh, commit crimes and do things that are like, feel less than socialized is because why wouldn't I, you're going to assume it anyway. And you don't sort of see the whole picture of we assume it because you do this. But still, if we would stop assuming, there's very good odds that they would stop doing it. Right. Because, yeah, nobody gives Trey any amount of credit, even though I would also just probably be like, yeah, look at my bag. Uh, So Trey freaks out. We got to take a break. And then we come back. We will continue the adventures of the Brothers Grimm and the fallout. From the mall freakout. Ryan, the, it's the next day. We don't know if they've talked at all on the way home. Uh, we just know Ryan tells Seth and knows he should tell the Coens, but can't. And when you say the next day, let's let's make it clear. It is the second day. Um, Ryan was nervous about Trey. Mm-hmm. And I know we're jumping around trying to defend him or not. But on the first day, in the first place they went, he threw a temper tantrum and punched a lot of stuff and screamed. Yes. So, like... Um, we want to give him as much rope, and we want him to rehabilitate himself. But literally, right away, he right freaked away. the fuck out. But like, I don't know. I've seen an episode and a half of Requiem. Is that the name of that? Very slow, very amazing. Rectify. Show. Rectify. You don't don't throw him around people in the first day. Like, you really need to ease somebody in. Keep him in a cage and feed him liverwurst. That's what you do to help prisoners. Uh... Sandy doesn't know what happened, but he knows something's up because he's trying to help Trey look for jobs, and he's just staring with his giant brows like, Ryan, want to help? And Ryan's like, and Sandy's like, okay. All right, let's get to that real quick. Uh, they're all excited. They have folded newspapers, and all they're circling things because that's how you look for a job. All of them. 2004 was a wild time. <laughs> Everyone's got newspapers circling things. And Sandy says, um, hey, Ryan, do you want to help? And he's like, I'll pass. And everyone looks around or at Ryan mm-hmm. because some. Clearly something happened, right? If Ryan shows any emotion, then we know something happened. Is Ryan giving signs? Is he, like, unintentionally giving signs? Can he not control even him saying all pass? Yeah, or, like, he's too much of a coward to tell Sandy what happened, so he's going to throw his own version of a tantrum to let people know something's wrong? Well, he tells Seth, I can't tell him. Like, I can't tell what happened. But he, like, if he really wanted nobody to know, if he thought that he had dumber parents then he would have just been like no i'm busy it's cool that or i've been told and uh most people aren't you and me that sometimes emotions just come out 
I've never right. had that happen to me. <laughs> so I don't know, but I guess some people just can't fake their way through life. Well, I mean, I think that emotions always come out. And so if Ryan bottles his shit up, then it's going to come out in ways that he may not intend, like saying, oh, I'll pass. For you, it's just Poop. Uh, half blood, half diarrhea. Man, um, we went to the same truth. <laughs> so b- before Trey goes on his uh, journey to look for jobs, uh, him and Ryan have a one-on-one. And Trey's like, my old ways aren't going to work here. I need to change. Which is weird that, so you're reflective enough to, you used to be like, this will work in life. Or does he have that like red eye syndrome? Not because he doesn't use Visine, but like, does he just rage out and then have to apologize mm-hmm. later? And now he finally realizes that he can't rage out anymore. Do you buy Trey this apology and this like uh, need for growth? I think so. I, I like he went through a, a crazy thing very young. Uh, so yeah, I, I I think there's a need for growth, and he is realizing that because his little brother, who only used to look up to him, is now looking at him like a piece of dirt. I think that's an important thing too. Is that there's this little brother syndrome where like your life is fucked up because you spent your entire life looking up to your older brother, and the parents worship the older brother, and not you. This is a thing that is not talked about enough. Where older brothers, when their little brothers look at them like they're pieces of shit, mm-hmm. because the little brother is doing way better. That can really mess an older sure. brother up. Uh, so Trey's like, I got to change. And Ryan isn't like, yeah, man, you'll get that. He just goes, do it soon. Yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> fucking cold. By the way, I am sorry about the thing where I said, like, well, it's just for a couple days. That was weird when I said that. And it was weird when I said all pass. But I'm not apologizing for this one. No, do it soon. I'm riding my heels in on that one. Do it soon. So Trey has a pretty crummy day. Applies for six jobs, which is not that many, but if you don't have the help of like LinkedIn and Indeed, is a lot. I think you're driving all over several counties. Just the internet in general. And the day starts with him saying, uh, they uh, they explain what a barista is. And he isn't like, fuck that, I'm better than that. Yeah. He's like, oh, I can do that. I'll definitely get that job. And it's just nope, 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 yeah. all day long. And yeah, I think that's very important. The, his optimism, I'll take anything. Uh, and And... Ryan, here's where Ryan, because he sees how bummed out Trey is, and so he's like, they start horsing around and throwing clothes around. Ryan just wants to flirt with everybody in this episode. Which is- he does, too. It Also, he understands how Trey talks to people, because uh, ev- like since the minute Trey got out, particularly in that shop in the mall, Trey, if, if you're talking to Trey, he's just punching you the entire time. Like, he's just doing that, hey, who's my bud? Punch, punch, punch. So Ryan starts throwing the clothes up in the air. Like he's in some sort of uh, dangerous liaison. And uh, he finds the aforementioned watch that Trey was accused of stealing. And he flips out on Trey. And Trey flips out back. uh, And then goes, I have the receipt. I'm out. And walks off into the night. Okay. And so we get to the exact same conversation with different stakes that we did outside or inside the store. Which is... Trey has the receipt. Mm-hmm. It turns out that he really did buy that as a present with Sandy's money. So I don't know how much thought. Right. Like, you know. But um, Ryan jumped to conclusions. Right. And that sucks for Trey. That is, like, that sort of keeps Trey at this level where why would I try to be better if it doesn't matter? But Trey had multiple opportunities to be like, whoa, misunderstanding. Yeah. Here's the receipt right now. But instead, he let the drama go for as long as he could. Yeah, because he wants it, right? He thrives on it. Yes. Like, There's no way I would instantly be like, here's the receipt. You just say that right away. No, I'm, I'm sorry, brother. You've mistaken. I understand why. It's my past action. 
so people assuming that you're the worst is that like uh sort of this i don't know reason that like you just become the worst or are you waiting for them to assume it so you have an excuse to be the worst it's easier that is easier than trying and so trey who's been in town for two days hasn't again like wanted to give empathy if this was a better show definitely uh give empathy to the experiences he's had he just runs away to a dive bar in chino uh and marissa and ryan are like i guess we're gonna go follow him to chino and ryan tries to keep marissa out of the adventure for three seconds Mm -hmm. in a very half-assed way uh and marissa says hey uh, i'm the reason that you survive on all these adventures yes uh uh, which is totally true but also they just belong together not as lovers but as like i don't know just tv adventurers they're the they're the indiana jones and short round of newport yeah, they, they, they do bounce. And this is finally, like, it feels like Marissa hasn't a storyline in fucking forever. Even though I know she dated mm. Alex, it felt like that was more Alex's storyline. Like, I just, mm. it is so weird. It has to be weird for the protagonist of the show to be like, can I at least be a fun sidekick? Like, give me something uh, to do. Yeah, I think that's another issue with uh, Marissa and may continue until her untimely demise, which is they don't know how to turn Marissa's storyline to a five. They, they only know ten or zero. Uh-huh. So they know exactly what bar Trey's going to be at. They show up. Uh, Ryan is very mad. And he's like, you know what? We are who we are. I don't I don't belong there. You probably don't belong there. And Ryan's like, no, I'm not going to Newport without you. And then Trey's like, I'm going to smoke cigarettes for 30 minutes outside. Yeah. You teenagers stay in this bar alone. Yeah. Uh, at some point, uh, they just say, I don't think Trey's coming back. I, I just think, like... If he comes back, it's going to be with a Vespa, and he's going to come back from Italy because it's going to be like six months. And then later when we see Trey, he was standing in the exact same spot, 12 feet from the bar. He's probably like, I, they'll come find me, right? <laughs> like, like, This is just a, like a lame brother fight. Like They have to come and run towards I me. I would not stay inside that bar just to order like a gin fizz <laughs> and be like, I wonder where he is. He said, I'm leaving. <laughs> he didn't say, I'll be right outside. I'll come back in a second. They have to see my jacket right there in the bar stool, and I'm fucking freezing right now. Please come out and bring my jacket. And maybe an extra slow gin fizz, because I'm getting thirsty. Uh, so when they finally try to leave, a guy who sort of like looked Marissa up and down now is a huge fucking dick. He is Chino-level yes. asshole. Uh, can I buy you a drink? No. We're going to leave. No. Why are you being so rude, you bitch? Like, he escalates fucking instantly. He really does. He is... Uh, I know all men are awful, but uh, he goes through the pattern very quickly. Uh, and to the point where it's my favorite uh, line, where he gets Ryan on the ground, shoves him over, and then says to Marissa, one last thing, very matter-of-factly, come on, let's get out of here. <laughs> and, like, at that point, she's like, well, I, okay. He's seen enough movies that he's like, I think I win Ski Mountain right now. <laughs> she has to but, come like, with me. This is the very researched uh, way that I've seen in like comic strips and cartoons of how cavemen uh-huh. get ladies, right? He's on caveman He's Tinder right now. Uh, Ryan then takes on four dudes. Ryan is instantly mm-hmm. punches that dude and then crosses two arms to make an X to punch two other dudes who weren't in the fight. And then Trey hears, hey, this underage kid we've let stay in the bar is getting the shit kicked out of him and sprints back into the bar to save the day. That's the answer to the question we've been asking the entire episode. Okay, Trey has his excuses. It's when people assume he's bad, then he gets to be bad. Mm-hmm. Ryan brings Marissa because he knows that that's his spinach. If you touch, Mar- mm-hmm. if you if he brought uh, Zach along on a Ryan and Zach Chino mess around, 
they would start to fuck with Zach, and he'd be like, hey, I'm oh. Zach, so I don't know what to tell you, bro. Like, it was probably Zach's fault. We should leave. I actually just uh, ordered Total Eclipse uh, from of the heart in the jukebox, so I got to stand here and dance, bro. I don't know what to tell you. You go in the alley, but, handle this. <laughs> if you touch Marissa, mm-hmm. that like in his brain gives him the right, right to fight and do whatever he wants. Yeah, it's a real. Uh, I'm not. I'm not touching you. Can't get mad. But my finger is an inch from your nose. That's how he sets okay. up situations. I know, but right now when you do that, your finger is an inch from my nose, and I don't follow that rule, and I will fucking yeah, fight you right now. My bubble is beyond an inch from my nose, assholes. <laughs> I think the one rule should be, I won't fight you, but I do get to rip the finger clean off. Yeah, that's fair. And that's not a fight. No. <laughs> that's an end. Uh, a, a pretty heartwarming moment in their storyline is Marissa, because Trey comes in, and then the brothers Grimm grimly bash everybody's head in. And Marissa's like, thanks for coming back. And Trey's like, I was going to say the same to you guys. Like, I do think he thought they slipped out the back to not deal with him. That was pretty good. What we get before that, though, is Trey runs back in to save him. And while Ryan and Marissa are fighting for their lives, Ryan is, like, uh, being choked out. He's got, like, red face. Marissa does that thing where she puts her hand around her hands around her nose and her mouth and just keeps saying, oh, my God. Trey runs in, uh, puts a pull cube up to somebody's neck. He's like, yeah! <laughs> this is super good! <laughs> this is super good. And then he later gets that tattooed down his arm. This is super good. And then what we get to when uh, when they say thanks for coming back to save us, uh, we get that classic mall episode. Really, every third OC episode of uh, get away from the crime and like sort of be scared, but also laughing, laughing at the same your time. Asses off that this is your life, <laughs> <laughs> guys. You could have different lives. So that is their storyline. We're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we're gonna dig into Seth Summer. Ryan, the last time we checked in with Zach, he just came home from Italy on the longest sister's wedding in anybody's lifetime. Yeah, because, you know, destination weddings already fuck you. Mm -hmm. Like, you're going to make me go to some uh, country that we didn't want to go to, like Italy. Nobody wants to ever go to Italy. And then also, we have to spend three or four months there after the wedding. I'm in junior year of high school. Do you know how important this is for the rest of my life? But I guess when you're a politician's son and your daddy's just going to pay somebody so you can be on the board of a Ukrainian company, I guess it's just fucking easy. You don't really have to try that hard in high school. Was it a Ukrainian company? Yeah, I think so. Wow. Hunter That's Biden, how we got that free Vespa. Real piece of shit. But yeah, they also shipped him a Vespa home. Uh, so No, he probably drove it home <laughs> just, behind the car. <laughs> Behind the car on the giant ferry, just doing fucking donuts on the Titanic. That's, I mean, Evil Knievel, where were you with that shit? I bet you didn't do that. Nobody has ever cleared this iceberg. Uh, Zach doesn't really talk to the girls when he first shows up, but he does have a moment for Seth and lets him know. Uh, Seth is like, you're glowing, which is what you say to pregnant people or dudes whose girls you've just stolen. And, uh, and by the way, that's something that you say to pregnant people, even though they're not. No. You just you say that because you can't say, hey, you're fat or you're ugly or why don't you try some makeup on? You just say they're glowing. But are they actually glowing? I think glowing, it's code for sweaty and tired looking, which is I'm told I'm glowing every day by my boss. <laughs> Sorry I um, ran here, Heather. Eventually, Zach tells Seth what is going on, that he has a girlfriend in Italy. Um and we'll get to that in a bit. Mm-hmm. It's weird that he would just confide in Seth like that. But when he sees the girls, he uh, pulls his Vespa up onto the balcony of the coffee store, just like drives it upstairs and just leaves it there. He's a cool uh, writer. 
he runs up to the girls and Summer's nervous. Oh my God, did I crush him? Did I ruin his life? Um, Marissa's like, hey, once again, I've not had a plot line in a long time. And Zach runs up and says, girls, it is so good to see you. I cannot tell you how happy I am to see you or happy I am in general and how great my trip was. And I will see you later. Right then. Did you think that something was up? Yeah, well, Zach has always been way too mature. And all of Summer's bullshit, he's just like, yeah, I get it. Whatever. Let's roll. <laughs> uh, so I didn't yet. I was just like, Zach's being Zach. And I think one day he might kill himself and or half the school. Like, I think he's bottling things up too much. Uh, and then Summer is hurt that Zach is, seemed to get over so fast, which is the biggest bullshit in the world when she left him at the airport for Seth Cohen. All right, hold on, hold on, hold on. Do you think that she is the Seth of this episode, or do you think it's normal to just sort of expect people that you cause pain to go through the pain, and if they don't go through the pain, then that's fucked up? Of course I expect that, but because I'm not Seth Cohen, I know you bottle that inside and you never say it out loud to anybody, but she says it to everybody, including Seth. So the problem is not her feelings. The problem is her vocalization of said yes. feelings. Not knowing that you have, you can't say that out loud to people. I have been dumped, and I have been the dumper. And no matter what, I'm always like, what do you mean you're moving on? What the fuck is that? <laughs> I don't know. I, this is something that, like, I, I don't think that Summer handled this great. But compared to how most people on the OC handle things, it's not that bad. Um, but I definitely understand this whole thing of, yeah, like, you, <laughs> I'm so sorry, but you did not spend the requisite time mourning mm-hmm. whatever I think you should be mourning. Which is, even though she doesn't have to mourn at all, she instantly ran and made out with Seth. Right. And that's fine with her. Uh, Seth spills immediately about Francesca the next time he sees Summer, because he's very bad. And Summer is, and this is, so before she was a little hurt to Marissa, she's visibly hurt to her boyfriend. Uh, which maybe causes drama later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zach rolls in later uh, with a box of her stuff, which I've only seen when people get fired. They have this kind of box of things, and the right. security guard walks them out of the office building. And I appreciate no matter what, uh, it's it's not a bag of groceries, but still the box of stuff has a long baguette hanging out of it, you know? Look, I don't know if this is your baguette. It's not mine. I'm just going to give it you, do with what you want. And I said from the beginning of the relationship... Let's write our names on our baguette so we know whose is whose. And this is probably why the relationship is over. Uh, And Zach says, I don't think it's right to have reminders of you all over, which is brutal to him, brutal to her. It was a weirdly polite, painful moment. And probably not something that somebody would say if they are now in love with a six foot two Italian goddess. Is this the tallest person we've ever heard whiff of on the OC? It's a pretty short cast. Ryan Atwood is 5'2", so this is someone who could pick him up and throw him like a javelin. Oh, it's Olivia Wilde. Yes. That's who Francesca is. Uh, And here's where Summer seems aware of how nuanced the fuck-upness of all her feelings are. She stopped just walling personally, and she's like, all of this is crazy. Because she says, I know I shouldn't be hurt because I left you. And he's like, yeah, bye, I gotta go talk to Francesca. So then, if you're a teenager on TV, or just a normal human, then you have to cook up a new thing. Or, in Summer's case, cook up an old thing that Zach just did. I'll put a box together of yeah. shit to bring over to oh, his I'll house. bring you a box. Oh, you like your box? I got a box for you. And Zach's mom, we thought she's always been a big twat. She out-twats the twattiest twat that's ever twatted here. Now, this is, this is crazy, because 
Zach's mom had been not the coolest person before because she was sort of an elitist that definitely seemed out to get Summer. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to... And the sister was probably worse, but oh, the yeah. mom didn't help. Uh, Summer, I'm going to go into this uh, dinner thinking that you're dumb, and I'm going to make it... I'm going to prove it in every second. This, however... That's just against Summer. Right. This conversation is against Zach, Summer, uh, society, America, <laughs> everything that has ever existed. She opens the door and says, oh. The, and then delivers the most Julie Cooper line ever delivered by not Julie Cooper. I never thought I'd have to deal with you again. You said that to a 15-year-old? Yeah, a 15-year-old girl. What would have been great is if the door opened and the camera was on Zach's mom, and she's like, oh, you. And then all of a sudden we hear, hello, sunshine. And then Summer freaked out and just took her shirt off. Uh, But then Zach's mom reveals that uh, there is no Francesca. Zach wouldn't even leave the hotel room in Italy because he was so brokenhearted over Summer. What Francesca? I can't even figure out the lie that Zach told you to protect his feelings. I have to tell you right now that, Summer, I'm not calling you an idiot right now. Zach spent the entire trip crying in a hotel. Does she think later, oh, no, I should I should have probably. I messed uh, that one up. Oh, no, she likes embarrassing her children. That's what she gets off on. I bet she made that wedding all about her. Oh, yeah. And her fucking drunken toast was probably insane. Her toast was all about, like, you know, nobody told me I would get this far. (laughs) (laughs) Mazel throws it. Uh, So Summer says, Zach, here's your box. See how that feels. Uh, And then Summer turns all this weird anger that she can't fight an adult with uh, on Seth to Zach. She's like, I can't believe he spilled right away. He's the piece of shit here. I can't believe Seth. And my favorite Zach line in the history of Zach is, this is between you and Cohen, which... Is nothing to do with me, finally. <laughs> and then it's like, it's a medium shot of Zach. So it's just, it's like from the belt up, but yet his smile touches both sides of the screen. Like he is so <laughs> genuinely cat. stoked to not have to be in the middle of the shit anymore. And I wonder, I bet that's happy for him. I bet that is like a lot less stress, but I wonder how much of this is trying to protect his feelings and how much of it is, am I just. Uh, putting stakes down for a new breakup Seth and Summer plan. No, I, I think I think the Francesca stuff was all to hide his feelings. I think because before he was with Summer, while he was with Summer, and after he, Seth was always a fucking stick in the spokes of their bicycle. That he's like, I, I truly do not have to care about this shit anymore. I am out. Uh, and that is very freeing when you suddenly don't have to care about this other dude who's always around. And so then Seth and Summer get back together, and Summer's pissed, demands Seth... Won't tell him why. Blindly apologize. He should know. And he doesn't because Summer thinks that uh, Seth ran and told Summer about Zach's thing because Mm -hmm. Seth wanted to cause a little bit of animosity. And I'm not sure I got that here. I feel like Seth is just weak. He's very weak because she was like, how is Zach? Because I know you guys talked. He's like, oh, he's fine. And she's like, oh, he's just fine. And she looked hurt, and he's like, no, I mean, he's... He's doing good. He, it really did seem like he was trying to protect all parties' feelings. Right. Uh, and he, like, in his head, you and I are together. I am who you want to be with now. We should all be happy that this nice guy we care about is dating somebody else and isn't hurt. And but, Summer's, uh, like, Summer, Summer's like, it's weird that uh, I am freaking out about this because uh, I am over Zach. And Seth is like, well, I mean, you can understand because 
Zach is perfect on paper and I'm super neurotic and weird. And then they're like, and then they kiss and then it's just over. And this is what I'm talking about with Marissa. This is a plot line turned to five. Mm-hmm. This is one that yeah, just it started it and ended and it's fine. But before it blows up, and this is why this is a great Seth episode, when she finally tells him why she's angry, because he's like, I, I thought and thought and thought and felt bad. And then I got nothing. I, I, I really don't know. I know I fuck up left and right, but today I think I'm great. Uh, and then she tells him, and he says, are you actually jealous of me not being jealous of you, of jealous of Zach? He's like, out of all of us, I should now be pissed, not you. And right. He, I'm full on Team Seth on that. Yeah. And that is weird for us to say. I don't like it. I'm not comfortable with it. I hope he does something to piss us off next episode. And I'm sure he will. It's, it's, a, it's a good bet. But uh, I don't know. I think that we are, now that we're rocketing towards the end of season two, I don't know if Seth has a lot of major damage to do. That's I think cool. that, and yeah, I'm I'm very stoked to like sort of put him in the back seat. And that's that's the kids storyline. And Ryan, that is all the time we have for the kids. Let's get to the for adults the right now. Then we'll get to the adults next week. But but Mike, I know we didn't even have time to talk about Julie's naked mistake going public or Kiki and Carter going more than just in the back of our heads. But we do have time to say thank you to the Holophonics, of course. To tell you to listen to the Superhero Hour and Movie of the Year. Subscribe, rate, review to those shows. Go to Amazon.com. But before you do that, go to yourpopfilter.com slash Amazon. We don't need to tell people to go to Amazon.com. Do way last minute shopping there because Christmas was a couple weeks ago and you fucked up. Uh, Give us a little Happy New Year. Go to Patreon.com slash yourpopfilter. Pick a tier, choose a tier, wear a tier. It helps us a lot. What else? At your pop filter on Twitter and Instagram. Did you say what else? <laughs> like, as the host of the show, did you say what else? What else is in the news? Contact at yourpopfilter.com. Let us know if you love what else. Go to yourpopfilter.com slash what else and help me vote for a new host. <laughs> and until then, crack an egg and sit on it, jerk. California.